Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Not on Twilight Tonic. As always, I have the most amazing guest. But first, I'd like to tell you about a live show that I do with WLTKDB on Friday nights. It's called Twilight Tonight. It's a live show and it starts at 6 Central. So please tune into that. You can check me out on Instagram and on Facebook under DD Moonflyer. But tonight, most important, I have Bill Rigby on Twilight Tonic tonight. And he has an amazing group called the Agents of the Unexplained. And he also studies one of my favorite things in the whole wide world, Bigfoot. How are you, Bill? I am great, DD. Thank you for having me. Of course, it's a pleasure. Tell me, why are you involved in all of this amazing paranormal cryptids? What experiences caused you to seek this out? Well, when I was a teenager, uh, I was like 13 years old. I had a premonition of a friend of ours that family they were real close to us. We all were growing up together. And the one son, I dreamt that he got ran over. Well, he did oh. the next day. And that kind of freaked me out. And I kind of, you know, tried to block all that stuff out as I was getting older. And then turned around uh, about two years later. We saw a UFO when we were standing out mm-hmm. waiting on the school bus. It was springtime, nice sunny day. Saw it up over the hill. And um, the neighbor up on the hill took a picture of it. And they sent the picture into the local newspaper, sent it to the uh, Channel, Channel 27 news station and they all start saying he was crazy, and that was a trash can lid. Well, that was about a half mile up from our house where we were standing out looking. There was no way 
I could see a metal trash can lid as big as that in the last door. And all us kids seen. Right. And so I was always intrigued by the UFOs. And as we got older, we got into the ghosts and that. But with the Peach and G film, I've always believed in Bigfoot. And, but, you know, I kind of put all that stuff to the side. I got older, got married, had kids. I, I worked in and all this. I kind of blocked that all out for years. Sure. But I'm an avid outdoorsman, though. And, and I start noticing tree structures. And I'm like, wow, how come I'm seeing these down in Virginia? And they're back up in PA, and the, the way they're woven, the way they're bent, and all that, it's like something ain't adding up. So I start researching it. Mm -hmm. And then and, and I really start researching it even more in depth when I seen it was correlated with Bigfoot. So, like I said, I always believed in them. Mm -hmm. Well, a year and a half ago, uh, I was at Salt Fork, Ohio, the state park, which mm -hmm. is one of the hot spots in Ohio. Right, it is. And, and uh, we went to a so speak camp out at the group camp area. I was invited down to Mary Fabian from the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project kept telling me I have to go there. I want to sight it. Um, I keep thinking to myself, there's no way, no way I'm going to see a Bigfoot there. Too many people are tramping through the woods trying to find Bigfoot. Too many hoaxers probably there going to make tree knots, whoops, and the whole nine yards that I'm not going to see anything. Well, the very first night there, Mike Bennett, Debbie Craig, and I, we went searching different areas at the park. We came back to the group camp area, and we started walking down the Buckeye Trail. We were getting little stones and nuts thrown, tossed up at us from the left side. When we stopped right after we went in that trail about 90 paces, it's like, hmm, something's over there. Probably some, somebody from the group. Well, we're going another 90 paces. Stop. And we're looking, trying to listen. Some more stones and nuts came up at us. Debbie says, I'm getting too scared to go any farther. So I just looked at her and I said, well, you stay here with Mike. I'll go down 90 paces. Check it out. If everything's cold, come, come on down with me. I get down about 90 paces. I kneel down and I'm starting looking down the trail and try to listen. And out of the corner of my right eye, I caught a little movement. <clears throat> and so I turned around and looked over 15 feet away. There it was. It was kneeled down, leaning in, looking at me. Wow. That's not what I said. <laughs> Oh, I can only imagine what I would have said. Um, <laughs> what did so, you say, Bill? <laughs> I can't say it. It's not good for P&G. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, did, uh, 
I kind of froze for a second. Mm-hmm. And I'm the type of guy, you know, I'm 175 pounds, five foot ten, ain't afraid of nothing. And all of a sudden, I got scared as I'm looking at this thing, and I can see the muscle tones, how wide it was. I wasn't sure how tall it was at that point since it was nailed down. And as I started standing back up, it starts standing up. And I could see the dark hair. I could see the, the hair was super dark brown. It wasn't black, but super dark brown. Mm-hmm. The skin color was a, a dark brown, but not a super dark. It's just a dark brown. Right. And I did not look in the eyes, so I cannot say what the eyes look like. You know, my... My hunting experience is that don't look a predator in the eyes. Right. So I don't know the color of the eyes, but I know the shoulder width was about four feet. Oh, my God. As soon as it stood up, I saw how tall it was, and I'm marking it on next to the tree as I'm backing up. And uh, I'm my heart's racing out of my chest, thinking this thing's going to get me. Mm-hmm. And, and I could see the muscle tones. It, Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been proud to have a body like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no lie. Being that close, seeing that muscle tone and everything and how big it was. Right. I back up to Debbie and Mike. And as I'm getting there, I said, because it was starting to get dark. And I go, Get your lights on. Get your lights on. <laughs> no, that's all I can think of. <laughs> Get their lights on. Uh, uh, Debbie's looking to the left, thinking something's over there. Mike saw which way I was looking, running backwards, and he looks down. I go, did you see it? Did you see it? And uh-huh. my heart's beating out of my chest. And Mike goes, yeah, I saw Bigfoot's butt. <laughs> but that's not the word he used. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I looked at him and went, really? Really? He says, yeah, it's running away. I saw it. Uh, oh, okay. And I said, we got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, we're out. We're out. Yeah, she, she's ready to run out. We get out of there and, I, and go up to where Mary Fabian was at her truck. We were telling her about it. And she goes, are you all right, Bill? Yeah, I guess I am. I'm fine. And that she's no, you're not. You're shaking. And I didn't even realize mm-hmm. how bad I was shaking. But and that was my experience of uh, seeing a Bigfoot. Wow. Um, we found tracks because well, the the prints we found we found some some by themselves. We found a. Me and Brenda Sproul was out at the local reservoir, and we found a trackway that went over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the prints was 14 inches long, 5 inches wide, and a 5-foot spread on the roof as it was walking. And it wasn't running, it was walking. It walked on up along the beach. Turned around, came back up along the wood line and up into the woods for over a hundred yards. Wow. And that was my first attempt to make a print 
And I was so excited and I didn't let it set up long enough. And when I went to take it, bring it up out of the ground, it just broke apart on me. I was so upset. And everyone said, that's fine. You'll have a chance to do more. Well, I haven't done one yet. <laughs> right. It's one of those things that you're like, I know I have this. I know I have this. Yeah. Wow. Do you think the one you saw was male or female? Male. Really? He was really huge. He sounds huge. Male. It was a young male because the very next day we went down, back down, whole group of us went back down about where it was at. And I'm looking at the tree and I said, that is the tree. I said, give me your tape measure. And my buddy gave me his tape measure. We measured up. It was seven foot in mm. that area. And I think that the one that was tossing stuff up at us from the left was another juvenile. And the study I've done, and a lot of people agree with me, it's something we call counting coup it was doing. Mm-hmm. And what what that is is um, see how close they can get to to a person without them noticing that. Oh wow! Well, I think we got pretty darn close. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it sounds like it's. And, and different people ask me, "Well, did you hear them moving in?" No, or I would have seen them a lot sooner. Uh, did you smell anything? No, there was no smell, none at all. Um, so I think it was just a game to them, how close they can get to me. Sure. Or to any of us, you know. Yeah. And that group camp area is a very, very hot spot right in that area. Because I did find a trail that they travel clean around it, that whole camp area. Mm-hmm. Where they just on the outskirts inside the wood line. I, we found that, and it's like, wow, okay. They they do travel around keeping an eye on the campers, waiting for them to go to bed. They leave any food out, they can steal it. I bet you that's what they're doing. And a couple people said, yeah, because uh, at one time, a few of us were sitting at this campfire. We saw a big arm come out from behind this one tent where the table was closed, and there was a bag of chips on there. And and snagged that bag of chips and disappeared. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. And, you know, and at the time, I had a band that I made into a camper, and I had it right next to the woods. And I went, I think I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but since then, last April, I held a camp out there. Uh, you know, after I got over my PTSD, uh, the sighting of that thing that year and a half ago, uh, we did make another trip back to Salt Fork. And I'm a firm believer, get jumping on a horse, get back on it, or you're never going to be back out there. And so that's basically what I did. And after I come to realization, yeah, I'm afraid of nothing but a Bigfoot. Right. So, you know, I'm not as superhuman as I thought I was. So, uh, we had that other camp out. And I had, and I did it under the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project, but I invited all these different Bigfoot groups to come. Mm-hmm. And 
the, you know, sometimes you get ego problems when you get people together. And I was really worried he's going to have that at the camp. But with all honesty, out of the five different groups that showed up, there was no egos, no arguing. Everybody was there to share their knowledge with each other mm-hmm. and experiences and to get out and they investigate. And that was awesome. That, that was really awesome. I had over 60 campers there. Oh, I love Bigfoot peoples. I, I do. Yeah. I, yeah. I just feel like everybody is just so welcoming. Right. And, you know, with all honesty, with us in the cryptid and paranormal world, a lot of people look down at us, think we're crazy. Uh, we're just a bunch of idiots. Oh, what? But, Bigfoot people? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, I I think he exists. I think he's out there. He is. <laughs> um, I did a, a talk here uh, last year in Punxsutawney at the Jefferson County Bigfoot Paranormal Expo. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got up on stage to do my talk, I I go, how many people believe there's Bigfoot out there? A bunch of people put their hands up. And I go, well, I don't. You should have seen the people look at me when I said that. They're like, what is he doing up on stage? I go, I know he's out there. I've seen one. I know. Mm-hmm. And that's when everyone just sat there and listening to everything I had to say. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a knower, as I like to say. it. I used to be a believer. Now I'm a knower. Right. And, and when people, I hear people say, well, we have to capture one or to make people believe. No, you don't. We have to get DNA. Well, maybe for you. Before, I was thinking the same thing. But now that I had my sighting, no, we don't. I know they exist. Uh, hey, Bill, that, do you think there are more sightings now than there have been in the past recently? Um. Truthfully, no. Okay. The reason I say that is the sightings are probably the same, but more people are talking about it now. Sure. I I think that's because of podcasts, social media. I think people are coming out more and more on these things. And, you know, I truthfully, yes, I'm on Facebook. I got my YouTube thing. Uh, I don't care for social media for one reason. It separates the family. But with the internet, I did find out in it more and more about Bigfoot in the paranormal world and other cryptids like the Dogman, the Mothman, and mm-hmm. all that, right. the Jersey Devil. Um, but the thing is, if it wasn't for social media and the internet, a lot of these people will not talk about it. They can hide at home and say something. And I don't put up with no BS, as we call them, trolls coming to my group or the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project group and start 
uh, being mean, demeaning, and actually just being a troll to people because they don't believe. And they're automatically banned. Oh, you I don't blame skeptic. you. <laughs> you can be a skeptic, uh, and, but be nice about it. Right. You know, um, ask questions the right way. Don't be, don't degrade the person. And I, and I've gone at people on, in the groups and, and told them straight out, here's how it is. Your attitude just got you booted out of here. It's all because of you, no one else. And I boot them. And because everyone needs a safe place to be able to talk about the stuff that really got to them. Right. You know, um, I'm fortunate it only took me a couple of weeks to get over my sighting and get back out there. But I had a lot of good people talking to me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that have a hard time dealing with it. I still have a hard time once in a while. But, you know, the shock value of seeing a Bigfoot, and some people saw one's, you know, three three feet taller than the one I saw. Ooh, no. Yeah, so, you know, I can understand them being in shock and scared to say anything. Um, so thank God for the internet. Right. We got more reported sightings. Is how I should put it. I think the sightings are about the same, but more reported now. So. Yeah, I always find it interesting. And I, I've said this a lot, but I find it interesting that Bigfoot is all over the world. You yeah. Know, you, you see like drawings in Asia, you see them, India, you see them everywhere. And it's, it's so fascinating. And yet people are still skeptic. And that fascinates me too. It's like, well, there's got to well, be something uh, to that. Uh, we've been kind of brainwashed for years that they don't exist. Um, from the government to whoever else, you know, they don't exist. Um, let me give you an example of what happened here uh, about three, four years ago along I-376 near Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. A Bigfoot got hit by a a truck and got knocked into the medium. Oh. Well, it was part right on the berm of the media, medium. Uh-huh. And the next day it was in the paper and on the news that a bear was hit. And I heard this story twice, third-handed, that it was a big play. So I'm like, okay, it's third-handed. It's possible. They're not the eyewitness. Well, I ran the Mercer Lawrence County chapter of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project for a while. And um, so I decided to have a a meeting Mm -hmm. and invite everybody to the meeting. You know, they didn't have to belong to the group, just come to the meeting. I put it out everywhere on 
for a cell site uh, on Facebook and everything. And a couple of people got up and talked about their experience. This one lady got up and said a couple little things she noticed. And she says that her and her daughter was traveling back from over in Ohio and they got off Interstate 80 and headed to three, down 376 toward Newcastle. And she's in the passing lane. And right before Mitchell Road, there was a Bigfoot that was laying on the berm in the medium. Hmm. I looked at her and I said, excuse me, ma'am. What did you just say? And she repeated it. I said, I'm not doubting you. I said, I heard that story twice, third-handed. But you're saying you saw this thing laying there? She goes, yes, I did. She says, and I can tell you right now, he had a chunk of meat taken out of his rump. She says, we saw it down. And when we got past, my daughter goes, was that a Bigfoot? And she told her yes. And she said she wanted to go back and check on it, but she was too scared. I said, I don't blame you, <laughs> but you saw it. So that validated a lot for me. Too. What yeah. happened to the body? Did he survive? I mean, did he walk away? Did somebody? No. Uh, as far as I know, no. And they said that on the news, they said that the state police and game commission came and got rid of it. So I don't know. Got rid of the bear, as they put it. Wow. So yeah. somebody's <laughs> in the, got in their possession something that has been a mystery for hundreds of years. Yeah. Yes. And um, I talked to a witness from when Mount St. Helen blew. And the person said that they saw the, the military carrying out bodies of Bigfoot that got killed because of the, the eruption. Interesting. Very. You know, and the witness does not want me to repeat their name. And I, that's fine with me. You know, I, mm-hmm, I wrote sure. everything down. <laughs> so. It was awesome that they even get that report. Well, was that person another, in the military? I had another report here locally that happened in 1962. The lady told me about it. A Bigfoot crossing in front of them. Huh. Yeah. As they were coming back from skating in February. And they were headed home, and when they got home, they were teenagers. When they got home, they were telling their parents, and the parents said, you didn't see that. Don't ever speak of it again. Hmm. And she, she was upset about it. She talked to the neighbor who was a farmer behind their place, mm-hmm. and he said, yeah, I've seen him a couple times. He goes, and the people say I'm crazy, so I quit telling them about it. He says, and I ain't going to tell anyone else about it either. This is 1962. Wow. I find it sad that they're trying to hide 
the fact that they exist. And I don't understand why they would do that. I remember what happened when they spotted out. Mm-hmm. And they shut down all forestry, all uh, drilling, everything, billions of dollars. Mm. So that's my theory. They would be afraid to say that these existed because they would, they'd probably stop a lot of like logging businesses, oil yeah. businesses, things yeah. like that because. Exactly. They don't know if they're primate or humanoid, right? There's some sort of um, relic it, I'd say. Um, or close to the primate. Yeah. I, I really don't know for sure. Uh, some of the DNA that, that they collected come back unknown primate. Well, us humans are primates of the primate species. So do you think that most likely that they're Neanderthal? No. No? I don't think they're Neanderthal, no. I think they're more more primate. Uh intelligent primate mm, yeah I agree definitely um, I ain't gonna say they're street smart primates but I'll say they're <laughs> wood smart they, well, it seems funny but they're more wood smarts than us humans even though mm-hmm. <laughs> us humans spends a lot of time in the woods but they live there right they also say oh. that the juveniles like to peek behind trees. Have you ever witnessed that? Yes. Call them tree peepers, I guess. Yes. Um, actually, uh, here, um, I want to say about two months ago, mm-hmm. me and two friends were out at the reservoir and I took a picture up into the woods where we were standing. Then I I turned and took a picture in another angle. Now I looked back. I said, now, wait a minute. And I was doing this off my phone. And I went back to my picture and I'm looking at it. I went, that's something looking at us. (laughs) It's not there now. And and that kind of freaked me out. And I didn't really catch it when I took the picture. And so I kept going back and forth with my my phone and clicking pictures, more pictures, see if I can catch it in there. But that is the only one I caught. Right. You know, I think I'd be really afraid to be near a juvenile because that means mama is there. Uh. Yeah, but yeah. I right. um, out of all the the sightings and reports and everything that I've taken, not a single one was uh, anyone got attacked. Interesting. Uh, out of 
95% of the reports I've heard, 5% of them, that people get attacked. Mm -hmm. When I say attacked, I don't mean when they get bluff charged to, mm -hmm. to get scare the people away. I mean, actually coming to attack them. Um, I don't think they're really aggressive unless you do get too close to their young or you got in the middle of between them and their hunt, they're snagging an animal that they eat. Right. Um, but then again, you might have a rogue one that is aggressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you know, you might have the uh, the serial killer one. <laughs> My <laughs> little thing. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I hate to put it that way, but yeah, you know, chimps are like that. Yes, chimps you know, will kill and, just to kill. Yep. Some chimps. And, but we would hear more so. Right. Right. Uh, of them doing that. They're just as curious of us as we are of them. Do you think they travel in groups or do you think they're solitaire? I believe they live in groups. I was wondering that. Family groups and things like that, similar yeah. to the great apes. Yes, and um, one area I'm researching, which is about half hour, 45 minutes from here, um, I was invited down to do a little bit of research, and it had been an ongoing thing for over a year now. And um, it is a very active area. And I, all the people that go there, it's a, it's called hunting camp. It's a 220-some acre piece of property one guy owns. He lets people come and camp, hunt, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's the one that had me come down there. Yeah, um, him and several others said there's nine that they know of in that area. Wow, that is a lot. That yes, it is. And so, up on the pavilion at the hunting camp, it has a someone made a sign: population nine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But with all honesty, it, it is an active area. And you have, they got the water source. They got the vegetation. They got deer and, and small game right there. So, yeah, right. it, it would be an active area. And I can see it holding a family pot of nine. So... Is there caves in that area by any chance? Yes. Ah, because yes. they, I, I've heard that where there's caves, usually they like to be near them. Now, I don't know if that's true, but. Well, if you go out west, you know, I want to say the Midwest where it's not so hilly, where is the caves? that, And they're having all kinds of sightings of Bigfoot. And I. I say they do use them to their advantage, mm. but I still think they spend more time outside of the cave than they do in them. 
uh, you know, because like going out toward out west uh, on the flatlands, there's no caves. Right. Uh, I have a hard time thinking, oh, that's how they get around. Uh, that's a possibility. But if you go real deep in a mine, you got methane gas. Yeah. Which sure. will kill them. It'll kill them. So, you know, I think they use it for, more for shelter than anything else. Not not to travel lines, uh, but that that's my theory. You know, and it's just a theory. It has not been proven, so. Right. Do you think... You know, when you when you watch the shows, and I've talked to other people, they always describe lights around them. Have the you, light orbs? Yeah. Have you heard, have you witnessed that yourself? Well, at my camp out, uh, Jay Fouch, who is from Constructing Bigfoot, who is very active and boots on the ground guy, came and visited me Friday after work. He had to work afternoon turn. And he came to meet me and visit with me and we talked. And we went to his vehicle because he wanted to get out some more pictures to show me. Mm-hmm. And we heard a whoop and we both turned and looked. And I go, did you? He said, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> sure. and, and we're looking. But what did Jay and I see? Three orbs. And they were they were a good half mile away from us, and and right there is no street lights, no houses, none mm-hmm. of that stuff in that area. Um, and it was up in the woods, so there was no vehicle traveling. Anyhow, no vehicle just got three lights, and you can see them turning and rotating. And you can see him moving around trees and through trees. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, this past weekend, I was up in New York on mm-hmm. an investigation at Bigfoot and Orbs. We found signs of Bigfoot mm-hmm. at this research area. And there was orbs. So, um, are they associated with Bigfoot? I don't know. I don't know if they're projecting some kind of energy light out ahead of them. I, yeah, I don't know. And that's something, since my sighting, I'm trying to find this stuff out. That's one of my missions. And, and Jay was at another friend and researcher of ours, Corky's, and orbs start showing up. And he took his thermal and shined his thermal on it and see how much heat signature it had. Did he, how much heat signature do you think they have being a light source? Zero. You're right. There is no heat signature to it. Interesting. The surrounding air was warmer than the orb. And it was cold out that night. Right. So that, that is interesting. You think it's some sort of energy, it will mm-hmm. cause some kind of heat. Yeah. You know, the molecules uh, 
going together, causing friction. Yeah. And but there was none. It was colder than the surrounding air. And that's weird to me. It's always, what part of New York State were you in? Southwestern. Okay, because my um, relatives on my mom's side are all from New York State, um, near the St. Lawrence River, between Malone and Sinclair, um, San, uh, Santa Claire, New York. Uh, yeah. um, all my yeah. relatives lived up there, and they often talked about orbs. Um, my mom mm-hmm. saw a UFO when she was pregnant with me up in New York State. So that's why you're interested in the paranormal. Oh, I have so many experiences throughout my <laughs> life. Yeah. And it all started with mom seeing the UFO when she was pregnant with me. <laughs> yeah. She started it all. <laughs> but all of my, I even had a deaf cousin, my mom's second cousin, who couldn't hear. He was deaf. Um, see like a whole bunch of UFOs and felt the vibration from them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, up there, there's there was no one. I think there was like twelve houses in Santa Clara, in a church, you know, a gray hotel and a bars, and then you travel probably about five miles up the road. There's St. Ridges Falls, and Lake Placid is like an hour away. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's a little east of Jamestown. Yeah, yeah. Where we, where we were investigating at. Uh, the people don't want me to give their death location, which is fine. But it's definitely worth going back and investigating more. And it is beautiful and, up there, isn't it? Oh, my God, yes. But the only problem we had this weekend, it was 19 degrees with 8-degree wind chill. Oh, gosh. And you were in a tent? Cabin. No, I stayed at a motel when we got back there during the night. Oh, good. No, oh, no, 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 no. I'm 64 years old. My body went and got back up off the ground. <laughs> I do not like the cold like that. Oh, I don't either. Mm-hmm. I don't either. <laughs> I still wake from the cold from up there this weekend. But you know what? It was worth the, the trip up there, uh, uh, finding what we found. And very interesting. And we're definitely going back at probably the beginning of March. Yeah. Do some more investigating. Just warm. It will um, still be cold up there. <laughs> I know. I know. It ain't going to be deep cold like it is now. No. But, uh-uh. Thank goodness. <laughs> but another experience that, that I took reports on uh, from three different areas here near Sharon, PA. Um, there was a UFO sighting down over the river in downtown Sharon. Mm-hmm. Um, one saw it. They were on the south side of Sharon and saw it as they were looking north. I had a person on the west hill looking east and saw it. And someone on the East Hill looking west and saw with his neighbor. And I did report this to MUFON, this sighting here. Mm-hmm. And as I was asking people questions on 
Facebook and that on the one site. And a lady asked, was this Thursday night? This, I don't know. This is last night, Sunday night. And uh-huh. she goes, well, I saw, and I did post a picture of it. And she goes, well, I saw the same thing Thursday night. And I went, and where are you located at? She's uh, 45 minutes south of us in Ohio. Wow. Yeah. And she said that was identical to the one she saw. And she sent me a picture of the one she saw, and it was. So they're, they're out here. Oh, they get around, definitely. Yeah. I know. And, uh, I know they have a lot of sightings in Ohio. I believe them. Oh, yeah. They have a lot of sightings in Ohio. Yes. And and, um, here in Pennsylvania, up in the Alleghenies, up around Kinsley Dam. Mm -hmm. Oh, the the paranormal and the cryptids up there. Um, A friend of mine, he lives right up near Kinsley, and he sent me pictures of actually trees moving from the game camp. They, every 15 seconds, they go off. Uh-huh. And this one went off. It double clicked and the tree actually moved a good 10 feet. Oh. Yeah. And he sent me the pictures and I was like, oh my goodness. And I was up there. We we run around a few times. Um, we're going back up here this spring, and twice this summer, and once in the fall. And I got two chapter leads up there that's joining me, and one one team lead that do this investigation up in there. And the two chapter leads they. They've been researching around Kenzo and they got so much information up there. It's just crazy. Wow. It's just full of activity of all kinds. All kinds. Wow. All kinds. The conditions and the energy just absolutely must be right. It it has to be. And that's why I said I'm doing four different investigations up there. One in the spring, one in the fall, and twice during the summer. We need to find out what's going on up there. That's very interesting, actually. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. And, I, you know, I, I guess I'm a little crazy because I, I really need to know. <laughs> well, sometimes I think I think people with experiences, they either become pushed away from it or they throw themselves into it and... Like you and I, like we talk to people, we want to know what's going on, each of us in their own way. But I think if you have experiences, it's just part of your life and you want to know, like, am I crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're curious, but also I think it helps that, you know, to know other people have been through this. Exactly. And I was told to talk about my experiences it makes it easier to deal with and they were right you know I still have it a hard time once in a while with my Bigfoot sighting uh, I admit that 
you know, um, and at times it's not easy to deal with. And I know this. And I'm a strong person, but there's times I need to hear from other people about it, you know, mm-hmm. and help, that helps me. It really does. And I, and I tell the people, thank you. And I'm being very sincere, thanking them for sharing that with me. Because it does help me too. So. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, we're all raised, except for me, my mom was really open and I was very, very fortunate. She never called it paranormal. She called it part of nature. So when I look back on it, she was, my mom was an amazing mom anyway, but she was one of those people she would never dismay anything, but she would make a big deal out of it either. Do you know right. what I mean? She'd yeah. be like, that's part of nature. But, yeah. you know, she was one of those people who witnessed things and saw things. Uh, my mom was the same way, but she did not want us to get ridiculed for saying what we saw. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's why she told it. Like on the UFO, you didn't see nothing because she knew what was going to happen. Right. Yeah, you know, she totally believed us. You know, and she actually went to the kitchen window by the sink and looked up over the hill to see it. Right. And she didn't say if she saw it or not. You know, I, that I don't know. You know, me, you know my mom's gone now since I'm 96. So I can't ask her any more questions on it, which I wish I did because I really got into this full-blown in the last five years. Mm -hmm. And I'm retired now, and I'm really into it. My wife says this is my new job. (laughs) So... uh, because I do, I put a lot of hours in uh, figuring this out. And, and it keeps me busy. It keeps me real busy. Well, and, yeah. There's a lot to I'm learn. There. This is a lifetime of learning. <laughs> yes, it is. And I started late in life. But, but I'm very thankful for my wife. You know, she, uh, she's a full supporter of this. And of me doing this, so I'm very happy. That's wonderful. I think having someone support you with an understanding is an amazing thing. Yes. It yes. really is. And not many people have that. No, they don't. Um, I, I'm very happy that she's able to, like she said, she doesn't believe till she sees it. She's seen right. ghosts. She's seen orbs, so she believes in that. Bigfoot, she hasn't seen one yet, so she believe she don't believe in it. it yeah, till she sees one. Right. That's the thing. I a <laughs> lot of people are that way. You know, I don't understand that. You know, and once she sees it, I know what's going to happen. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> She'll never want to go camping again. Oh, 
<laughs> well, it's really funny that you said that because after my mom told her parents what she saw, years later, um, of course, they made fun of her because that's how my grandparents were. Years later, guess what my grandmother saw? Oh, she saw one. Oh, yeah. And she was scared to death. She ran in the house and told her husband. And of course, my grandpa didn't see anything like that and didn't believe her and made fun of her. <laughs> so my uh, mom's like, I told you, mom, I told you. <laughs> yeah. And what's really weird because uh, the one place we found, uh, well, we got invited to and we found prints in that. Uh, this small 30-acre format the guy had. Mm -hmm. He was driving his old tractor out of the field one evening, and he never believed in Bigfoot. And it crossed the, the trail in front of him as he's coming out of the field. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. He drove the tractor, cleaned down the house, shut it off, went in the house, sat down on the chair, sat there pure white. His wife asked him where it was wrong. And he goes, I just saw a Bigfoot. And she looked at him and said, the way you're looking right now, I really believe you. She said he was pure white. And he never, as the first time she ever saw him scared like that. She seen him upset, never saw him scared. Right. Like so, you know, we went there and right away we found friends. Uh, wow. And, and so, yeah, and we didn't find any structures per se on his property, but we did across the power line, the neighboring property, wooded area. Um, so I think they was just using his property to cross from one area to the other. You're right. Um, he might have did a little bit of hunting on his property. I don't know. Wow. Uh, but <laughs> we did find pranks there and that, so. That's fascinating. Can you imagine just doing your work and one just walks right past you? Yeah. Like, da-da. Uh, I'd be yeah. like, oh. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Everyone say you've got to go out at night to see a Bigfoot. You know, 90% of the sightings are during the day. Well, yeah, when you least expect it. Yes. You know, the average person, I mean, during the day, you feel p particularly safe if you're hiking or if you're in a field. I mean, yeah. what, I mean exactly. it's kind of like when you're walking in the woods and a snake goes across the trail. You just don't expect it. And the thing about these I hate calling them creatures, but I still call them that, is that they're so big, mm -hmm. but they're so quiet. Right. In the woods, they are so quiet. I want to know how they do that. I. Yeah. It's just their territory, if you think about it. That's yep. their home. Yeah, it is. And it's and, weird. And they're hunters? Yes. So they're yes, stealthy, so. you know, they have a lot of yes. stealth to them probably, and they know how to walk quietly. 
I, it, it is very interesting how they yeah. do that. Wow. Um, I know. Uh, I'm going to figure out why they're so they're so at that. They're just. Right. I think it's just fascinating. Yes. That we have something out there that can't be proven, but yet so many people see. And the Native, the Native Americans talk about them all the time. Yes, very much so. And uh, and they've been talking for them for a couple centuries. Yeah. So, you know, they're here. Oh, definitely. So, Bill, you have an event coming up that looks Absolutely fascinating. Can you tell us about that? Yes, it's going to be March 25th of 2023, this year. Mm -hmm. It's called the Penn, Ohio Paranormal Conference. Uh, I've got six speakers, great speakers, a bunch of vendors. It's going to be in Hermitage, Pennsylvania, at the Hickory VFW. It is... um, the lineup of speakers are going to be Brian and Terry Seach, mm-hmm. who will be talking about the Pennsylvania werewolf phenomenon. Wow. Um, James Krug, who runs the L2 and that planetarium. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's going to be talking about the planets and the spaceships and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got Jamie and Jenny King who are local researchers here, and they do C-SETI and Bigfoot, and just great, great people. Awesome. They really are. Uh, you can't help but really like them. Same with Brian and Terry mm-hmm. and James Clark. Um We have Ed Kelman, who's going to cover the ghost. He's a uh, Ghost investigator and author. Mm-hmm. Now we have my sixth speaker is Mike Ballman in search of red eye. He's from New Jersey. He travels all over the eastern coast uh, searching Bigfoot. Wow. He's a great presenter. Um, he does a great job. They all do a great job of presenting everything. Um, I got about 30 vendors that are going to be here. And it, it's just a, going to be a great time. I got, I got, we do pre-sale tickets and I got people coming from Virginia, North Carolina, New Jersey, Canada, mm-hmm. Ohio, of course, PA, West Virginia. Uh, and probably a few people coming down from New York that I talked to when I was up there this past weekend. So, you know, we got people coming from all over to this. That's awesome. Uh, Daniel Benoit, uh, who's from East Coast Bigfoot Research uh, Organization from Virginia, uh, he travels everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he's been out. Washington State did a podcast out there. Uh, he was invited out there. He's and me and him became friends. And his birthday's that day. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So he decided 
you know, instead of traveling and speaking, he's coming up to spend his birthday and hang out. Well, good. You know, and great researcher. Great researcher. He really is. That sounds you know, awesome. So how do people get a hold of you? I didn't get a hold of me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, through my agents, I'm down explained. Um, and then, one second here. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, get over me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, agents of the Unexplained. Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project, I'm in there, or my own Facebook page. Or, you know, I usually don't do this, but my email is rigbybill23 at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, Bill, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I really enjoyed it. And I hope our paths cross. And I'm, I'll try to make it to the convention if I can, because it just sounds so cool. And it's not too far from Fort Wayne, Indiana. So, no, it's not. You know, and um, I'll be going down either tomorrow or the next day. And I'll be putting it up on our page uh, about, I'm trying to get blocks of hotel rooms for, the outer towners. Awesome. Um, you know, it is March. Who wants to camp in March? Don't know what the weather's going to be like. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> so, yeah, so I will be doing that. Um, and I'll have that posted on, on everything. And we do have uh, the Penalty Paranormal Conference page uh, for the event. And Dan Benoit has been t- kind of taking care of that for me. Awesome. Just uh, send me all that info and I'll make sure to put it in the notes of the podcast and on my social media for you. Awesome. I'll definitely do that. Ah, thank you. And Bill, it's been, again, an amazing pleasure. You're an awesome human being. And I look forward to hearing from you very soon. And thank you for having me on, Dee. Uh, it was a great pleasure being here and talking with you have a very fine week you too and thank your wife for letting me take time to speak to you i definitely will thank you good night Bill.